podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast. Today is Tuesday, the 27th of June. Hope you're all well. Today will probably be a shorter pod because there's not a whole lot to talk about. I've got West Ham, Wolves, bit of news, bit of gossip. That's basically it. So we might be around the half hour, 35, 40 minute mark today. But we'll get into it and see. Let's dig in. We'll start with West Ham. And what they should do this summer. I don't think they need to buy a goalkeeper or do anything with the goalkeeper position other than make Alphonse Ariola the number one. 
he is comfortably the best keeper at that club. Fabianski is now 38. He's been pretty poor for two seasons. Ariola was outstanding in the European campaigns. It is time for him to be number one. Fabianski's a solid number two, and Joseph Anang makes a decent number three. I quite like Ben Johnson at right back, so I'd be inclined to keep him there and keep Vladimir Sufal as the backup. In the middle, you've got Zuma, you've got Agard, two quality starters. There is an issue with fitness for these two, though. They both miss a lot of games. In terms of cover, you've got Tilo Carrere, you've got Angelo Agbona, and you've got Luzau, who they brought in in January, who I would expect to be part of the squad for this coming season. So I don't think they need to do anything at centre-back. I would be looking to upgrade at left-back. Cresswell has passed his best, and I just don't think Emerson Palmieri is quite good enough. So I do think a left-back is a necessity for them this summer. In midfield, they're going to lose Declan Rice. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Take that money, buy two midfielders, and you can improve in the aggregate because Suchek, while he'll still give you everything he's capable of, isn't capable of a whole lot anymore. He can't really move. Moyes has run him into the ground a little bit, which is worrying considering he's only 28. But if Suchek and Flynn Downs are your backups and you get two quality starting midfielders, and I don't mean James Ward-Prowse or Dross like that. I'm talking about two quality starting midfielders. You can be in a much better situation next season. So do that. Then you've got Piquetta as a 10, Bowen on one wing, my assumption is Cornet is the backup to Bowen. You've got Fornals and Ben Rama on the other side. Again, my assumption is that's what they, they just stick with. Up front, I would be playing Skimaka. He would be my first choice with Antonio Winnings off the bench. I have a feeling he might leave, though, in which case they're going to need a striker. So striker, two central midfielders and a left back. They have the striker. Moyes just has to be able to use him or be willing to use him, I should say. I just don't know that he will be. Gianluca Scamacca, if used properly, is an outstanding player with huge potential. But Moyes has shown no interest in using him properly thus far, in the same way as he's done with a few other players. I mean, Nikola Vlasic is another super talented player that West Ham own that Moyes just didn't give opportunities to. He came in having been tremendous for CSKA Moscow for two years, and Moyes never really gave him a chance. He had a good season for Torino this past year, I don't know if they're going to take up their option to buy. If I was West Ham, I'd want to keep him because I'd want him as my backup 10. And I'd be quite confident then that in Bowen Cornet, Paqueta Vlasic, Benrama Fornals, I had a strong group of six for those positions. In Skamaka, Ings 
and Antonio, I'd be confident in what I've got up front. And obviously, Bowen can play up front as well, if need be. Cornet can play on the left, if need be. My concerns would be midfield and left-back. And if I could just get Skamaka in the team and get the team playing in a manner that works for him, I think you'd be so much better off than some of the dreck we saw last season in a team set up to try and play more direct to take advantage of Antonio. But, like, Mikel Antonio's been poor now for two years, but yet Moyes picks him game after game after game. And a lot of managers do this. They fall in love with players who work a certain way, do everything they're told, and the manager gets this false sense of security where, oh, well, that player won't let me down. I've seen it at Liverpool over and over again with Klopp. He has these players that he thinks just won't let him down, but they do. They let him down time and time again. And that's what's happened at West Ham, is that these players that Moyes trusts implicitly, Fabianski, Cresswell, Antonio, Dawson was one till he booted him out. or to, Well, Dawson, I think, decided to go because he wasn't getting games. Uh, Suchek is another Moyes thinks he can trust these lads game in, game out. And game in, game out, they let him down. Now, West Ham had a really poor season, but they ended up winning the Europa Conference League. So all told, they're going to be happy with how their season worked out. But 14th of the Premier League is completely unacceptable for that level of talent, especially when we consider how much money they spent last summer. Like, they went out last summer... They brought in Neif Agard for about 30 million, Ariola for 10, Downs for 10, Skimaka was 35 pushing 40, Cornet was 20, Carrer was 10 to 12, Palmieri was 15, I think Paqueta was 40. And then in the, in the January window, they bring in Luzau and Danny Ings. Danny Ings was 10, 12 million, I think Luzau was close enough the same. That's an awful lot of money spent for a 14-place finish. And personally, I wouldn't have been bringing Moyes back. I thought they should have sacked Moyes at multiple times last season. I think he's been given the opportunity to come back purely because he won the Conference League. But I think they would have been better off just sitting him down after the final and saying, look, resign, leave on a high, we'll pay out what's left on your contract, but the the time has come for you to move on. We're going to go in a different direction. I think Moyes has taken them as far as he can. Now, I still think they'll have a better league season than they've had this past year, purely because the talent dictates that they should. And 14th is woeful. So... Like, I don't see them finishing, say, 6th or 7th. I can see them finishing maybe ninth, having a decent enough run in Europe, getting knocked out of the Cups in the 5th round, that, that kind of season. And I think that's kind of the ceiling there is with this with this manager. Whereas I think the potential of the club is actually fairly sky high because you've got a new owner in Kratinsky. Now, I know 
Sullivan is still the majority shareholder and the David Gold estate owns a significant chunk. But my expectation is that Kratinsky will buy out David Gold's estate and take over as majority owner and then eventually move out David Sullivan as well. And he is seemingly very ambitious and seemingly wants to turn West Ham into a a pretty major powerhouse. Now, we'll see what happens. But I wouldn't be surprised if Moyes, should West Ham have a bad start to the season, if Moyes has moved on in like November. During an international break, we just get the news that David Moyes has left West Ham by mutual consent. And he gives a statement saying, you know, I've taken the club as far as I can. It's time for fresh ideas, yada, yada, yada. And they thank him for everything and the trophy and the whole lot. There's a lot of talent in that West Ham squad. I do think they can get better in selling rice. If they could, let's just say, as example, they were to sell Declan Rice and they get the 100 million is what they seem to be looking for, right? And let's say, so let's say he goes to Arsenal and they get 100 million and they set about a bit of a rebuild. So it's pretty clear that Suchek needs to be replaced. I think everybody can can see that at this point. If I was advising them on what to do and how to spend that money, I would advise them to go back in for a player that they tried to buy last summer in Amadou Onana of Everton. And even if you have to pay, you know, 50, 55, 60 million even for him, I would, I would say that is a good bet because he is exceptionally talented. He is potentially one of the best midfielders in the league. And then go to Southampton and sign an international teammate of his in Romeo Lavia. A lot of the big clubs are looking at Lavia, but none of them are in a position to offer him regular starting first-team football. They're, they'll offer squad roles and, you know, you'll pe- play in the Cups, etc., etc. You could have him come in and start. And now you've got Lavia and Onana, and there's no way you're losing money on that pair. That is a pair that you will profit off in two to three years when they develop and are ready for moves to the very elite clubs. But I think you put those two in there. You've got Flynn Downs, who can play with either. You've got Suchek, who could play with either. That's a pretty strong group. I think you'd get the pair of them for maybe slightly over the 100 million. It might be might be 110 for the pair. 105, 110 for the pair. I don't think that's bad at all. And then you need a left back. And again, there's a bunch of different ways they could go with this. But Rene Nuri from Wolves just screams at me that he's a guy who needs a new opportunity, needs a new club. I don't know why you wouldn't go and buy him. He is 
incredibly talented. And again, there's no way you're going to lose money on him. You could probably get him for 25 million. So you sell Rice, you get your 100 million, you get Onana, you get Lavia, you get Aitnuri. You improve your team, I think pretty significantly, for a cost of 25 million. Now, you'd have others that you could sell there as well. It's possible that um, Nikola Vlasic leaves. That might be, maybe that's 12, 13 million. You could probably look to sell Emerson Palmieri. Now, no one will give you back what you paid, but you might get a few quid for him. So you'd have the whole thing done for maybe a five million net spend. Now, I'd rather keep the two the two players. I'd rather keep Palmieri. Well, I wouldn't rather keep Palmieri because I don't rate him, but keep him. I definitely want to keep Vlasic. And then... I've improved my team in three in midfield and in defence for twenty five million, maybe fifteen if I can find a buyer for Palmieri. I'm thrilled with that if I'm West Ham. If I go Ariola, Johnson, Zuma, Agard, Aitnuri, Lavia Onana, Bowen. Paqueta, Ben Rama probably is the starter, and Skimaka up front. I I think that's a top eight Premier League team, personally. And then if there's any more money to spend, you can add extra talent around the edges. You can afford to maybe go and look at the couple of young talents that you can bring in to develop who might not come in as an immediate starter. But, you know, like, say, you could potentially have a go at Arda Guler, one of the most talented young players in world football, and potentially bring him in and see how he develops for you. If you could bring him in and loan him out for a year so he gets regular football, you know? If you've got a bit of a budget on top of that, then maybe you can afford to go and get, you know, stockpile young players for the future. Maybe there's a player sitting at Man City who's not going to get a proper pathway into the first team or a player at Arsenal or a player at Chelsea or Liverpool or wherever that doesn't have a pathway into the first team. I think it's a big opportunity for West Ham this summer to really take a step forward overall. It just remains to be seen whether they do it or not. Uh, we'll move on to Wolves, and I'm already not liking what I'm hearing uh, about their summer. So this past season, they finished 13th, one spot ahead of of uh, West Ham. And uh, we interrupt this broadcast to bring breaking news. David Ornstein has reported that Bayern Munich have submitted a €70 million Euro offer, plus add-ons, for Harry Kane. So I have been championing this championing I know championing <laughs> this this move for a little bit now. I think this is the perfect move for Bayern. I think it's the perfect move for Kane. Now the price is a little bit lower than I thought, but 
in fairness, 60 plus million for a player with one year left in his contract plus add-ons isn't bad. It's a decent starting point for negotiations between Bayern and Spurs. I think I think Kane would be brilliant in that Bayern team. And I think he'd be nuts to consider turning it down. You look at the creative players in that team. And, I mean, he's not going to find much better. So, you've got Leroy Sané. And potentially, well, no. And definitely Alfonso Davies. That's your left side in all likelihood. Davies from left back, Sané at left wing. You've got Serge Gnabry, who's on his day incredible. You've got Jamal Musiala, who's maybe the best player in the world for his age group. You've got young Matthias Tell, super talented. You've got Rafael Guerrero as the other left-back option, who's also a great creative player in terms of his crossing. You've obviously got Joshua Kimmich. You've got Thomas Muller, both of whom can add in that creative department. Sabitz will be back. He might get more of an opportunity in the second half of the season. You've got Kingsley Coleman, who's brilliant. And you've got young Paul Vanner. Only 17. Enormous talent. Kane would be phenomenal in that team. You've also got Sadio Mane still there. Now, he, he is likely to leave. But that is, that is a lot of talent to put around Harry Kane. Now, they still have other needs. They need at least one in midfield. It looks like Kim is coming in at centre-back. And Lucas Hernandez is probably leaving. I think they could probably do it at new right back as well. But I think, look, Kane goes there, he wins league titles. Simple as that. He will win league titles with Bayern Munich. He will win cups. He will be in the Champions League every year. And he will have an opportunity to win the Champions League every year. Because no matter what, Bayern are going to be one of the favourites for the Champions League season on season. And I don't think Robert Lewandowski as a player is as good or has ever been as good as Harry Kane. I think he's an incredible finisher, but so is Kane. If you look what Lewandowski was able to do at Bayern, 29 and 49, sorry, 25 and 49 the first season, 42 and 51, 43 and 47, 41 and 48, 40 and 47, 55 and 47, 48 and 40, and 50 in 50, in, sorry, in 46. Those last three seasons, he's well over a goal a game. For his eight years there, 344 goals in 375 games. Harry Kane is better than him. Harry Kane could put up better numbers. Kane could go there for four years and score 200 goals. Being realistic, he could do that. He is that good. He's not going to get 200 goals if he stays at Spurs or if he goes to United. 
And scoring goals is what matters to Harry Kane. So if he could go there and do something like that and win those league titles and get his silverware and then come back to England maybe on a free in four years' time, go back to Spurs, I still think he'd have time to break Alan Shearer's record for most goals in the Premier League. He's going to put up, I think, an England record that won't ever get touched. And he can go down as the greatest English goal scorer of all time, having done it in the Premier League and in the Bundesliga, done it at the international level. And he'd have silverware. He'd have league titles and cups from Bayern. They're guaranteed. Guaranteed. If he's there four years, he wins at least three league titles. And frankly, for Bayern, if they won three league titles in four years, they'd be disappointed. Such is their dominance. So, I think he should go. I think he should take that move. Now that Bayern have made their move for him, I think he should start to push internally for that move. I think the fee will have to come up a bit, but I think there'll be a there'll be a common ground they can find. It might be seventy million pounds plus add-ons for bringing it to eighty. You know, whereas Bayern seem to be starting out at sixty million pounds, going to seventy. Spurs probably want eighty, going to ninety. I'd imagine you can meet in the middle on that. I think Kane should jump at that opportunity. I think he'd do incredibly well. And that team is set up for him. That team is set up for him. If I sounded weird there, it's because I knocked my phone and had to try and catch it. Um, yeah, anyway, so that is that is promising for Kane and for Bayern. We also have news that Manchester City's bid for... Declan Rice has been turned down. So Arsenal bid 75 million and 15 million in add-ons. Split into 5 million if Arsenal win the league, 5 million if Arsenal win the Champions League, and 5 million if Declan Rice wins the Ballon d'Or. So Arsenal bid 75 million. Man City bid 80 million and 10 million in add-ons. 5 million if they win the Champions League, 5 million if they win the Premier League. So So Arsenal bid 75. City bid 85, potentially rising to 90. That's what's happened there. That's the gulf between those bids. Arsenal are expected to bid again. It is believed, though, that West Ham want 100 million guaranteed. Not with add-ons taking it up there. My guess is they'll take 90 plus 10 million in add-ons. The issue is if they're add-ons from Arsenal, chances are they'll never pay out. If they're add-ons from City... They will pay out because City will win the league and they'll probably win the Champions League again in the next three, four years. So for West Ham, the City bid makes a lot more sense. For Rice, if he goes to City, he'll win stuff. If he goes to Arsenal, he might not. might win some FA Cups, but they won't be favoured for the league anytime soon. And a midfield of Odegaard, Rice and Kai Havertz, I think that's going to be a lot of fun for certain teams to play against. Um... But I, I do think Rice will take the City move if all things end up being equal 
in terms of what West Ham are offered. I think if there's matching bids and West Ham say to Declan Rice, right, you pick, I do think he'll take the Arsenal offer. I do. Now, I don't know how to feel about that. In a way, he's turning down guaranteed silverware. Why is he turning it down? Is he turning it down because he doesn't want to leave London? In which case, he's a fool. Is he turning it down because he wants to go to Arsenal and he wants to lead them back to winning major honours? That's admirable. But it would also be a little foolhardy. Um, Anyway, we're going back to talk about Wolves. So, going into the new season... um, Goalkeeper-wise, Wolves have Jose Sa, who had a good first season and not a good second season. Louis Molden, who's a young keeper they brought in from Man City. Matthias Sarkic, who's a solid enough goalkeeper. And David Bentley, who they signed from Bristol in January. I'd say goalkeeper, they're okay to move forward for a year. In defence, you've got Nelson Semedo at right back. I'd like to see Kiana Hoiver given an opportunity to establish himself as the backup right back. He's still only 21. He's hugely talented. He's had a rough couple of seasons, much of it self-inflicted. But I still think there's a player there. At left back, you've got Johnny Otto, Hugo Bueno... And Aitn Uri. Aitn Uri is comfortably the best of those three. I just don't know if Wolves are going to be smart enough to recognise that. Last season we saw a lot of Hugo Bueno playing over Ray and Aitn Uri. So it wouldn't surprise me if Aitn Uri left. If he, was, if he was to stay, or if I was making the decisions on it, he would 100% be the first choice left back moving forward. Bueno will be the backup. And Johnny Otto can play both sides so he can be like the fifth fullback. It's a role that would suit him. The starting centre-back pairing should be Nathan Collins and Max Kilman. But this manager seems to fall in love with Craig Dawson, maybe liking a cart horse. It's very, very strange, but that's what he seems to like. So... I have a feeling Collins is going to look to leave. Um, There is talk that Brentford want him. There is talk that potentially a fee in the region of 25 million could get a deal done there. And if that's the case, Wolves will need to buy a centre-back. Yerson Mosquera is very talented. They should be looking to sell Connor Cody. He offers nothing at this level, especially in a back four. So you want to sell him... You've got Toti Gomes. He's talented as well. Ideally, you'd have Collins, Kilman, Mascara, Toti, and Dawson, and that'd be your five. But I think they're going to do something silly and sell Collins, in which case they'll need a centre-back. Um, like I say, Cody should be sold. I'd probably sell Johnny Otto as well, being honest, um, and just move on. In midfield, you've got Lamina... You've got Jordao, who's never shown to be good enough in the Premier League. Lamina 
is a very up and down player, but he looked fairly good since coming in uh, in January. Bubakar Traore is one I'm very excited to see more of next season. I think Matthias Nunes in his second season in the league will show a lot more than he showed in his first season. Joe Gomes is another one they brought in in January. So if they're playing a double pivot, I think you're looking at Lamina, Traore and Gomes as the options there. And then I think he'll probably use Nunes in one of the wider roles and maybe Neto on the other side. So he gets a worker and an attacker. He does like two up front. He's got Sasa and Jimenez as his nines, plus Fabio Silva, who I'd like to see get some opportunities. Then he's got Guedes. Um, I assume the Matthias Cunha deal gets made permanent. And Huang as the second striker types. Cunha would be the better of the two. Or the better of the three, rather. So, if it's Sasa and Cunha as the starters, Silva and Guedes as the backups, and then Jimenez and Huang, like that's a really strong group. It's probably too many, but you might as well run with it for a year. Sarabia can be your backup to Neto. Uh, Kawabi, I would say, potentially as a backup to Nunes. And then the likes of Luke Con- Luke Condal, Joe Hodge, they can be backups in centre midfield, um, along with Jordao. And Lamina Traore and Gomes can be your starters. I don't think Wolves need to do huge amounts. I would like to see, like I said, a centre-back. Ideally, I'd like to see an upgrade on the goalkeeper. And maybe move San to a backup role. So I'd go new goalkeeper. One centre-back if Collins leaves. I'd keep him. Personally, I'd keep him, so I wouldn't do centre-back. I'd go goalkeeper. I'd probably upgrade on Nelson Semedo at right back, if I'm honest. I don't think he's great. I'd probably look to move him on and upgrade on him at right back. And then the big question is, do they bring in a midfielder to replace Ruben Neves? They've just spent a significant amount of money to bring in uh, Traore, to bring in... Cunha, assuming that deal does happen, and I, I'm I'm ex- expecting that it will happen. So is that the money basically spent? There was a lot of talk that Wolves wouldn't have much money to spend this summer, even if Nunes, um, or Neves rather, Neves, if Neves left. So we'll have to wait and see what the situation is with him, with them rather. Do they have money to spend? If so, you probably will want to add a midfielder. Because Lamina, really good ball winner, good ball carrier. Traore, good ball winner, good ball carrier. Gomez is a decent ball player, but he's still very, very raw and very haphazard in his passing. Can be a little bit all over the place at times, but he's very, very promising. So you do probably want to add one more who can just put their foot in the ball and knock it about a little bit. 
Who that would be, though, is the question. Because you don't want someone who's as ball-dominant as Ruben Neves was. You want someone that plays more in the flow of the game. But finding that player will be tough. The other thing that's going to be tough for them is they've also lost Jair Moutinho. His contract expired. He's away out the door. Diego Costa is gone. Now, I know he wasn't there for long, but he was a figure that was respected in the dressing room. And Neves. So you have lost quite a bit of leadership out of the dressing room. They've also lost Adama Traore on a free, which isn't a huge deal, but at the same time, he was a, he was an interesting option for them off the bench. One player who quietly has left the club is Luke Matheson. And I'm a little bit disappointed by this. Luke Matheson broke through at Rochdale and was playing for Rochdale's first team at 16 and was very, very good and was on a good trajectory. Wolf signed him for a million quid in January of 2020. He said a couple of loans, one back to Rochdale, then to Ipswich, Hamilton Academical, and then Scunthorpe. And I just think he's been horribly managed. Like, he didn't get much of a chance at Ipswich, and that was fair enough. They sent him on loan to Hamilton, and he was just starting to find a bit of form there. And Wolves brought him back and sent him on loan to Scunthorpe. And he did well with Scunthorpe for a while, and then just didn't get any further opportunities. Just spent last season kicking his heels. And now they've they've uh, released him. My hope is that a lower league club will pick him up. I think he's still he's still only twenty. Like he's got a huge amount still to learn and grow and develop. This kid scored at Old Trafford against United at sixteen in an EFL Cup game. He's playing first team football actually at fifteen, not sixteen. He was playing football while still going to school. I think he's still got plenty to to learn, plenty to offer. I still think he could have a good career. I just think Wolves have, have done a stupid thing there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a Ford if I was them. I would look for one in midfield. Maybe one more winger. Maybe one more winger. Centre-back, right-back, goalkeeper. But I keep Collins. I wouldn't want a centre-back. I'd want right-back, goalkeeper, one in midfield. And maybe one out wide. But I'd probably get away with not getting one out wide this summer. Much will depend on, on who leaves. That's the simple case of it. If if the, Neve, if the ne- Neves money can be reinvested, there's that. If... Collins leaves, there'll be that. That's between them probably, I think, about 65, 70 million. That's probably enough to fund a a fairly sizable um, summer overhaul, but we'll wait and see what they do. I'm not confident in Wolves having a particularly strong season next year. I don't think they'll go down. I do think they've got an excellent manager in Lopetegui. I think he makes some strange decisions, but 
I do think he's a very, very good manager. Um, so I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll stay up. But, you know, the fact that he took over the job in November and by the summer was already starting to make some noises through his agent that he could leave, that's not necessarily great. It's not a great sign. We'll see what happens. I think Wolves probably finish somewhere in you know the lower regions of mid-table, but ultimately stay up. But we'll predict those things come August. Um, right, we'll take a break. When we come back, it's just a bit of news, a bit of gossip, and we'll be done. Right, welcome back. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, Man City have had a bid for Rice declined. The other thing to factor in, as a, as well as the disparity between what City and Arsenal are offering, is how they're offering it. So Arsenal offered $75 million in four payments. So it could be that they offered $20 million this summer, 20 the following summer, 20 the following summer, and 15 the summer after that. It appears like City have offered it in two or three. So City definitely, in terms of what bids have gone in, have the advantage for now. But I, like I said, I do think Rice would prefer the move to Arsenal. Uh, Roy Hodgson has agreed to stay on as Crystal Palace manager for next season. He is 75 years of age. He's currently on holiday, but is expected to sign his contract for the coming campaign when he returns. Uh, look, it's the decision they made. They'll have to live with it. He'll likely keep them up, but they should stay up regardless. There's lots of talent there. Like, Is this all you want? Is this all you want is to stay in the division? Because... You made a big move a couple of years ago to try and be more ambitious. And surely at some point you've had a look at Brentford or you've had a look at your biggest rivals, Brighton, and you've thought, why can't that be us? Why can't we be a top half team? Why can't we challenge for Europe? Surely that has crossed somebody's mind at some point there. But it doesn't appear like it has. Um, for those of you who enjoy Gary Neville, he is to be a guest dragon on the 2024 series of Dragon's Den, joining Peter Jones, Deborah Meaden, Tukar Suleiman, Sarah Davies, and Stephen Bartlett. I am excited to join the, dra- the Dragons and to meet the entrepreneurs brave enough to face in the den. <sighs> I hope my personal journey shows that the experiences you've had in one part of your career can be taken and used to do something entirely different. Neville, to be fair, has built a significant portfolio of properties and developments in Manchester. Obviously, he owns the... um, The Hotel Football, he's a co-owner of Salford City. He owns another hotel and a production company. And he and the lads from the class of 92 also founded uh, the University Academy 92. 
So Neville is quite wide-reaching in terms of the projects he undertakes. I don't think he'll be a bad, a bad addition to this, to be totally honest. He does have good experience in the business world. He's largely self-thought in the business world as well, which I think will help. So, yeah, I mean, look, fair play to Neville. He's stepping out of his comfort zone to go and do something new on television. Inter-Miami have announced the signing of Sergio Busquets, reuniting him with Lionel Messi. This had been rumoured for quite a while that Busquets would go to Inter-Miami, even before Messi was signed. I think it's a good move for him. I think it's a good move for the club. It was the right time for him to leave Barcelona. It was the right time for Barcelona to part ways with him. 34, his legs have gone. He can still move the ball around in midfield better than anybody on the planet. But from a defensive point of view, he had become, uh, well, not somewhat of a liability, a complete liability. Uh, RB Leipzig are holding out for 100 million euros for Josco Guardiol. They want him to become the most expensive defender of all time. He has a buyout for next summer, which is 110 million euros, but they are willing to let him go a little bit earlier for a little bit less. I think it's an awful lot of money for a defender that still has significant flaws to his game, but there's no question his upside is massive. He has the potential to be one of the best defenders in the world. It does look like Americ Laporte will probably leave, which should bring in a decent enough fee. I'm not sure it'll bring in a massive fee. I've seen some people say, oh, well, you know, they could get 60 million. I'm not sure where that money would come from. This is a 29-year-old defender with an iffy knee who has declined, we'll say, in the last couple of seasons. He's still very, very good. On his day, he's still City's best defender. It's just that those days are less and less frequent now. We have some football tonight in the under-21 European Championships. Um, 8pm kickoff. I assume these are... These are local times. So... This is a 4 p.m. kickoff UK time. Netherlands versus Georgia, Portugal versus Belgium. So if you've started listening to this when it came out at 4 o'clock, uh, that game is now, those games are almost at half time. Netherlands, Georgia, Portugal, Belgium. Netherlands need to win. A draw is good enough for Georgia to send them through. Portugal need to win. A draw might be good enough for Belgium, but ideally they'll want the win. At 6.45 UK time then, we have Croatia versus Romania and Spain versus Ukraine. Spain and Ukraine are both through. That game means nothing to either of them. It's just about who gets what draw in the next round from there. Croatia and Romania are already out. I would imagine Romania, given this competition was at home, I would imagine they will want... Surely they'll want to rescue some national pride. They'll want to go all out and try and get a result here. So I'm going to back Romania to get 
something from this game, even if it's just a draw. Don't go out on three straight defeats. Not when you're finally getting to host a tournament in your homeland. Should be a good crowd there. They got 21,500 for their home game versus Spain. They got 14,000 for their game against Ukraine. Those are by far the uh, the highest crowds for any of the games that have taken place in Romania. Uh, the Georgians have actually gotten the biggest crowd, though. They got 25,000 for the game against Portugal. And 42,000 people turned up for the game against Belgium, which was f- absolutely fantastic. The other games are getting, you know, one and 2,000 in those groups. Um, England, Czech Republic got eight. I think that might be the... Oh, and France, Italy got 11 and a half. That's actually the, the biggest crowd for a non-host um, nation game. Right, let's get into the gossip then. <clears throat> Tottenham are preparing to table a £40 million offer for James Madison, but the Foxes want £60 million. £60 million is completely unrealistic. I'm not sure he's a 60 million player with multiple years left in his contract. I do like him. I think he's very good. I think 40 million with one year left is very, very fair. I'd actually call it an overpay, but Leicester need to stop playing silly buggers here. Um, Napoli's reported rejection of a 100 million pound offer for Victor Osman could spark an option, an auction with Liverpool. Manchester United and Newcastle poised to launch bids. No, they're not. Uh, maybe United, but I doubt it. Certainly not Liverpool, and I would have great doubts that Newcastle are going to buy another striker, having brought in Alexander Isak last summer. Um, Bayern Munich could be at the front of the queue for Harry Kane. Really like this one. Newcastle are in advanced talks with Southampton over a £15 million deal for Tino Livramento, I actually think that could be a brilliant move by Newcastle. I, I think he is absolutely fantastic. I would obviously prefer that Southampton kept him, but that's a really good price. And given they've been relegated, they're probably scrambling a little bit. Um, for the tune, like that's their long-term right back, boxed off. Now you know what's going to happen at that position over the next five years. It'll be trippier for the next 18 months, and then it'll be him. And it could be him then for eight to ten years after that. Jaden Sancho and Harry Maguire are among 13 players Manchester United are willing to sell this summer. I Sancho potentially could be incredible for somebody as a 10 or as a winger, if you've got the right fullbacks that will be able to get high up and combine with him and pull defenders out of his way, it's just about what United are asking and who can afford it. Manchester United's long pursuit of Adrian Rabiot faces a setback with the 28-year-old set to have a, set to sign a, French, a fresh deal with Juventus. He had one conversation with United and immediately ran back to Juventus to sign a new deal. Chelsea have now reached full agreement on personal terms at Moises Caicedo, but will now need to settle on a fee with Brighton for the 21-year-old. Um, this is the spoofer with the catchphrase. He apparently said this on some podcast. I wouldn't believe a fucking word of it, because Moises Caicedo is currently in New York. His agent is with him, 
So I'm not sure who's been talking to Chelsea because Chelsea aren't in New York. Chelsea's people are in London right now. Bowley, the Clear Lake boys, they're all in London at the moment trying to deal with the financial mess that the club is currently in towards FFP. So I'm not sure when these talks would have taken place. Now, I know they can take place, you know, over Zoom and all the rest, but these talks would normally get done in in person. These talks haven't. They haven't happened. Fabrizio's lying, trying to be ahead of the, the curve. It is most likely he ends up at Chelsea, but it's not nearly as advanced as Romano would want people to think. Mohamed Salah is not heading for the Anfield exit anytime soon, despite speculation linking him with the transfer to Saudi Arabia. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is debating whether to accept a lucrative offer to become the first England international to join the Saudi Pro League. With the greatest respect, calling Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain an England international is a little bit of a stretch. I know he has played for England, but like it's been a while. He hasn't been capped or called up in four years. Um, Arsenal lining up Yusuf Fafana as an alternative to Declan Rice, but both West Ham and Newcastle are also chasing him. Um, he, he wouldn't be a very good alternative. He's a different type of player. He's a good player, though. I do think Arsenal would do well to sign him as a backup. Rather than mucking around trying to sign Lavia, Fafana probably makes more sense. He's more ready to contribute now. Uh, AC Milan will sign Ruben Loftus-Cheek for €15 million. Seems like a bit of an overpay. Unai Emery is keen on a reunion with Pau Torres, who Villa feel they can get for less than his £51.5 release clause with just one year remaining on his contract. Promoted Sheffield United are in advanced talks to sign Mason Holgate on loan from Everton. Makes sense. They need help everywhere. Liverpool have joined Arsenal in the race for Romeo Lavia. Again, according to David Ornstein, Arsenal aren't really in the race for Romeo Lavia. That just seems like something Romano is trying to push, uh, maybe at the request of the agent, which is what Fabrizio does. Bundesliga side Wolfsburg will demand £26 million for Mickey van der Ven. It's a pretty good price for him. Uh, Sunderland's English teenager, Chris Rigg, has rejected a move to Newcastle in order to remain at the Stadium of Light. That's really good to see. Arsenal will make an improved £41.5 million bid for Jurian Timber. Yeah, it's up a significant amount, but it's still short of what Ajax are looking for, so we'll wait and see. And then finally, former England and Iceland midfielder Gilfie Sigurdsson is set to complete a shock transfer to Wayne Rooney's DC United. Um, do I do I dare even touch on this? Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson hasn't kicked a ball for two years, was released at the end of his contract last summer. Nobody signed him. Nobody. Now, in a completely unrelated story, 
In July of 2021, a 31-year-old Premier League footballer was arrested on suspicion of child sex offences and released on bail while investigations continued. Everton stated they had suspended a first-team player pending a police investigation, but did not confirm if it was the same player. Icelandic newspaper Morgan Bladed reported that the player arrested for alleged child sex offences was Gilfie. Danish brewery State Energy, who had signed Gilfie only a month earlier, removed all advertising with his image on it. In October of 2022, with Gilfie not charged but still under a travel ban, politician Njal Trousty Fribertson said he would discuss the player's case with the Foreign Affairs Committee. And then in April of 2023, Greater Manchester Police said no further action would be taken against Gilfie. So, yep, we'll leave it there. We got to 53 minutes. So I've given you value for money today. This is free, so that's incredible value for money. But I've managed to ramble for much longer than I thought I would. I'm actually impressed at my own ability to fill space. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.